So is financial freedom actually possible? In fact, what does it really mean? Does it just mean that your income is greater than your expenses? Does it mean that just because you're working and you can pay all your bills, you're good? Or does it mean you need to have a jet, a boat, and a yacht, and a mansion? Yes, I know all that is good, but what does financial freedom really mean? And most importantly, is it achievable? Is it achievable? And is it achievable right now? Do we have to wait the 30 years by putting money away, penny after penny, dollar after dollar, so that when we're actually maybe ready for it, there is something waiting for us on the other end, on the a pot of gold, maybe imaginary on the other side of the rainbow? Today, I talked to not only my friends, but my advisors, Joey Murray and Russ Morgan from Wealth Without Wall Street. They break down in this two-part episode on what exactly financial freedom really means, how you can go after it, how you can set your life up around it, the psychology and the strategies that go into creating financial freedom for you, for me, whether you're starting out or whether you already have a nest egg. Some of this stuff you and I wish we were taught when we were kids or when we were in school, but it's never too late because you get the same advice that I am getting in building and growing my business, just as Joey and Russ have taught so many entrepreneurs and business owners around the world and put them on the path to financial freedom without the stress, but having the path and having the framework and having the strategies that you can do as well. Get ready for an awesome two-part episode with Russ Morgan and Joey Murray on is financial freedom really possible and what you can do about it right now. One thing is for certain, just because it's tried and true doesn't mean it's working right now. So the big question is this, where can you learn what is working right now? The strategies, the tactics, the psychology, and the exact how-to how to grow your business, how to blow up your personal brand and supercharge your personal growth. That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Sharon Srivatsa, and welcome to Business School. So Russ and Joey, uh, we were talking offline about a couple of our clients and how, how much sometimes it frustrates us as to what the world is spewing out from financial advice perspective. And the one thing that I wanna, I really wanna frame this conversation with is, is something that the three of us really believe in, which is um, this idea of financial freedom, but we defer it. Mm. We always think that, yes, we should have this in 30 years. We should have this when we're 75, we should have this, like always put away money for the rainy day that I will never see. But during in that me in that time, I live the most miserable life. And it, it, it everything changes about on how you think about the world. So my, my first overall question before we go into some case studies is this. For the person wrestling right now, the entrepreneur who is focused on growing their business, maybe some years they, they drop a lot of money to the bottom line, maybe they don't. Maybe they have the right CPA, maybe they don't. Maybe they follow all the rules, maybe they don't. But they just, they, they want this, they yearn for this financial freedom. And my question for you is this, do you believe that if done correctly, financial freedom is within reach sooner rather than later? 100%. Like I think, 
that when you understand the variables that go into what create financial freedom, you can obtain it in a much faster time. I mean, think about it. In everything in our life, we've got to a point where when we, we set goals for ourselves, our brain automatically, that reticular activating system in our brain starts moving in the direction to make everything else line up to accomplish it. But when it comes to the thing of financial freedom, the number is so unknown to us that we don't achieve it, right? When we don't know how much money we need in the, you know, the, the advertising that says, what's your number? Right. Nobody knows what the number is. And so then it's, I must work 35 or 50 years in order to hopefully get to the number, whatever that number would be. Yeah. Well, and Sharon, we believe like the formula is simple. The work to accomplish it is not simple, right? The work right. to accomplish financial freedom is, is not easy, but it is a simple, simple formula. And once people know that, it unlocks what Russ is just talking about that reticular activating system where we start making decisions in light of that and it all just becomes really clear. Yeah, and so this is, um, I, I wanna go to exactly what uh, Russ just said about this number. I wanna bust this myth, whether it's a myth or not. This number for whoever it is, right? For us to say we need this number and I actually have, I have, I have entrepreneurs, former business partners, company CEOs that I've invested in that'll say things like this. Hey, I want to have a $55 million net worth before I'm 55. And I'm like, you're 42. I appreciate that. <laughs> when was your last million dollar year? He's like, I've never done one. I go, Dude, how are you going to get to 50? Do you know how, do you know how much 55 million is? Um, and 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 like that's a lot of money. And I'm not, I'm the last one who's going to squash someone's dreams. That's not fair. But the like. We, we con ourselves into believing that this $55 million net worth before I'm 55, I call this the big goal, no plan uh, syndrome. And I think that is the one thing that plagues entrepreneurs. So, so can you, can I, can I, and you've seen, uh, that's not the first time you've heard a, a wild ass goal, right? And which is, yeah. which is cool. And I, I appreciate it, but how do you, how do you advise clients? It, it, do you like this number or do you like a cash flow number? Do you like a debt number? Like what is the number I should be solving for? Well, I would say this, going back to where I started from. So in 04, I got in the financial industry, started doing the typical investment advisory. In 06, I, I was able to start training for my certified financial planning designation. In 08, I received it. Perfect timing, right? Like at that point in time, I had all the financial information that anyone would need, academically trained, and up to that point was a financial genius because anything you threw money in, it went up, right? <laughs> And, and I was following that advice. And really quickly, I realized that people who had, quote unquote, retired were now just unemployed because they the, their number was cut in half and they right. knew that they couldn't live off the percentage needed off of that half for more than five to 10 years. Right. And they were just now looking for jobs. Right. And, and so I, I come from that perspective. So every time I, you know, I, I, I share a different perspective, I want to say I know what the other side looks like because I was a participant in it. I was one of those money babysitters that people were passing money to, assuming that I knew what was going to happen. And the reality is I didn't. And wow. the people I looked to didn't. And the people they looked to didn't. When everything hit the fan, nobody knew what the crap was going on outside of a handful of people. Yeah. All right. So now move into step into what is the formula? What is the thing that we can do and can it be achieved in less than 30 years? And the answer is yes. 
And it's something that Robert Kiyosaki's talked about forever. He said financial freedom is when our passive income, that's money that comes in that we are not actively working for, is greater than our monthly expenses. So when we know, one, what is our monthly expenses? And for some people, that's a big thing. Like they really have to sit down and like spend some time. And I know you've talked about that on your show. It's funny, Sharon. Uh, my wife texted me this morning and said, hey, by the way, we need to set up the credit card for the subscriptions. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, that thing you said Sharon was telling you to do. I was like, oh, yeah. No, that's perfect. I love that. Well, because if we don't know where our money's going, we don't understand what our, our, our monthly nut is, it's going to be hard to solve to beat it. Right. But when you get that really clear in your mind, then for some people, it's 3000 a month. Sometimes, or sometimes it's 3000 a day. Right. I mean, <laughs> but when you know the number... At least you have an objective. You can go, okay, now my job is to turn assets into incomes that are greater than that. Yeah. So to answer your question, Sharon, it's both, right? You said, is it a, is it a number? Yes, it's a, it's a cash flow number on that left side of the equation, on the passive income side. And it is also looking at your debts or your expenses uh, critically, not with just a, you know, like glaze over it, but looking for opportunities to optimize those expenses so that you can obtain financial freedom. And so again, once you get clear on what that is, now you know exactly how to make decisions in light of that. Well, and here's the one thing too, is right now, literally take those two numbers on the left side of your page, write down how much money you have coming in that's not that you're actively working for. So if you own a business that you don't have to work in that somebody else produces, that would be considered. If you have a direct marketing business that brings in income, you own a website, e-commerce, you own long-term or short-term real estate, all of that kind of stuff, put that on the left side of the page, take that number on the right side, which is your monthly expenses, and you can divide the number in the left into the number on the right. It'll tell you how close are you. As a percentage, it will tell you where you are. Like right. to me, that's that's brilliant. Like if it says 0%, at least you know where you are. If it says 25%, at least you know where you are. I yeah. think for most people, when it comes to the how much money I need to have 55 million or 5 million, like they, that number still keeps moving, right? Yeah. Because they don't really know because what if I live longer? What if the market doesn't do as well? What if they raise, you know, inflation? Yeah. All that stuff can just throw that number off. So, so psychologically speaking, why do you think the, the average entrepreneur, the average consumer, the, 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 person listening right now, why is the reason where, why they don't have clarity around the monthly nut? As far as their expenses? Yeah. I, I think because we're just naturally just busy and we're naturally just forward looking. We don't want to slow down and stop and look in the rearview mirror and say, okay, well, where am I at? I mean, th this is the, the case of why we have to have really good bookkeepers and CPAs and accountants that can help us to keep our eye on our numbers. And But from a personal standpoint, it takes a backseat. Well, I, I agree with you, Joey, that I do think we're busy. I do think we need professionals who help us in those areas. But I even think it's even deeper, like human economics, like the human behavior of economics is much more important than the black and white, right? You can't stop behavior. I mean, that, that's the hardest thing to change. And yeah. that's what is what is, is what is impacting most of it. I would say it's neglect in the fact that I really don't want to know what those numbers are. It's I 100% agree. 100%. Once we get past a certain point, right? Like we, once we, we hit a certain level of success, then we go, I, I've earned the right 
to spend whatever I want to. And I don't really want to look at what those numbers well, are. Well, here, I, I, and I, I totally agree with you. And that's what I want to find a way to break. And, and I call this the, uh, um, the, one of my clients at Goldman, he told me this funny story. He called it the Amex bill principle. And I never knew what that meant. So he said to me, he's like, hey, Sharon, for my sanity, I disabled electronic delivery of statements because my wife doesn't want to see anything come to my house. And I said, okay, whatever. So he's like, but I said, when, it, when I get this Amex bill, here's what I do. I flip through it and I'm like, eh, I don't want to look at it. So he's like, he literally, he's like, I flip through it and I just don't want to look at it. And then if that number, that average number, if I, I mentally know that, go with the number, I'll make easy numbers up. Say it was 5,000 a month is my, what I'm generally used to seeing as my Amex bill. And I see it 12,000, I quickly flip through to see, well, what was the random charge? And then it was like, oh, I paid for a vacation or a car and that's okay. And I just move on. And he says, it's that it's that I I flipped through this 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 Amex bill, and he goes I have the this the there's so much nervousness looking at it even though I'm making so much money on the side, and I've never been able to figure out like how to make that real. So my question for you is this: Is it as simple as saying as starting the process of? I know it's mechanical, and most entrepreneurs, most high achievers don't want to do the mechanical stuff like. You and I talked about, like when we talked about that, that the spreadsheet we built on how to track time, right? I, I was like, I told you guys, I go, you, three of us are the only ones that are going to do this, right? And, and the result is going to be for us. But the question I have is how do we get somebody to say, okay, can I at least take my first, you know, 10 minutes and say, I'm going to put the big numbers on the board. I, I at least know that my rough monthly nut is like seven grand a month, like at least know that. But I would actually wager most people, they're not within a 30% range of what their monthly number is. No, 100%. So here's what we would we would say to that. Be the richest man of Babylon. Do you know Greatest the richest man of ba- yeah. Babylon yeah. book? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, the concept, there's lots of principles in there, but the concept was this individual lived off 70%, 70% of what he, what came in. Now, when we first started out out of college, maybe 70% was, you know, that was tough, right? Or, or, or maybe, maybe right now you're like, crap, I can't do that. But once we start attaining certain levels of success, 70%, man, is like we're literally spending more money than we could have ever imagined us being able to make, right? Yeah. And when you can think about that, be that person. Be the person who says, I can live off 70%. Just knowing what 70% is is a start. Yeah. Right, because then you can start setting some parameters. But I, I would say this: we had someone that helped us put together this automated budget course, and yeah. what he did is like really broke it down, really simple. And yes, there's a little bit of work that goes in on the front end. But what the the part I love about it as an entrepreneur, someone who doesn't like to do the mechanical, is that from that point forward, it becomes automated. Huh. I literally, it can happen the beginning of the month, every single month, and I don't have to think about it. Yeah. And I think for most entrepreneurs, they're like, okay, I'm willing to put in the effort for 30 minutes, hour and a half, whatever it is on the front end, if I don't have to think about it from that point forward. And then if you set it up to the 70% level, like enjoy, right? Like I hate the whole scrimp and save concept. Like I don't get that. I like freedom now. I want to live the lifestyle I want to live now. And be honest, 70% of what we make is a lot of money. Like most of us can do more than what we want to. And I even believe that when people hit a certain level, there's actually a diminishing return in the money that they start spending. Correct. They can start 
finding less value. Like my wife has a saying, just buy it to throw it away kind of idea. Because when you get to a certain level of money, you just don't care. And I'm not saying that like we're rolling in it, but at the the end of the day, you get to a point where you're buying crap that you really shouldn't, but you're like, I'm unfulfilled, so let's buy something else. Yeah, I think you nailed that one. That that was a good reframe just even for me, which is when we get to go and kind of design the, okay, well, I got to go find what my monthly expenses number are, uh, Russ, if I'm hearing you right, you're like, okay, Sharon, that's interesting. Let's flip it. You know what you make. So say you make net 10 grand a month, five grand a month, every other week that gets deposited into your account. Tell yourself you get to live on seven grand a month and figure out that's like that. Use that as the reverse engineer. Is that what you're suggesting? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So, so here's my second question. So we, we figured out this, this big number, small number thing. But my second question is you said something about um, kind of dividing the passive income or, or passive income is, is the right thing, but the, the non-active income side of your, of, your, of your page with the scorecard that you have, which we'll, we'll link up in a second. I would wager that most people listening don't have a huge passive income portfolio. And, and, Good or bad, uh, I, I actually attribute all of that to, and I think you and I, the three of us are, are very similar on this. I attribute that to how our educational system is, right? Because it's, 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 we have been built, our educational system has been built for the industrial system. I'm going to teach you a skill. You're going to go work in a factory. The factory is going to pay you wages. You're going to come home and buy stuff. And that that's going to buy, build more industries and on and on and on. Like literally that's, if, if what I said didn't like connect with people that are listening, you're crazy. Like this is what we were built for, right? Like we are, we are like human drones and that's fine but because it, it, it clouds us because we make the income and all of that stuff. But my question is it, when you, uh, um, you know, uh, Joey, maybe this is an interesting time for that case study you were, you're sharing with me is that a lot of people at this time think that the passive income needs to be deferred. And that's the myth that I would love to bust, which is, hey, my passive income is my 401k and I can't access it now or whatever. I'm going to put it in this tax advantage vehicle. And in 30 years, when I'm required to take minimum distributions, that will be my passive income. So I'm going to, I'm going to completely mortgage my future and my current life to do that. And, but I don't think it, I don't think it hits home until you like hear some numbers. Yeah. Well, I, first of all, to, to piggyback with what you just mentioned about our education system is it, you're 100% correct. And I think the problem is, is that people have bought into this idea that retirement is the goal, yeah. which is this long, like this really long-term goal that we just can't obtain today. But when we really get clear, and that's what we've just been talking about so far is this financial freedom is obtainable while you still have life left to live, right? Like, why would I have to wait until I'm in my 60s and 70s to start living? I mean, how many people have you known who retired and then died within a couple years? Yeah. yeah. Literally, we're not built to come out of service. Retirement, I think about like when somebody talks about a piece of equipment that was work, used in their, in their industry, if you will, and they retired it. What happened? That means it literally was out of production. Right. It was pulled out of production and something else that was maybe more 
you know, optimal was put in its place. Right. Well, you and I are not meant to stop producing, but the idea of retirement is to literally take you out of production. And that's why people just, just, they can't sustain in retirement. Um, in fact, I think most people are miserable if, if that's what they've bought into, but they don't know what else to do. It's too late. So, so anyways, the financial freedom idea is that I can do this today. And I'll just give you an example. The other day, um, meeting with one of the, the folks in our, our Freedom Seekers Masterclass, and we were going through his scorecard. And he's already told me what he wants. What does financial freedom look like for him? It means leaving his nine to five and being able to invest in other people, what he's learned, like this, it's this life coaching group that he's a part right. of. And I'm like, wow, that's so, that's so awesome. What would that do for you? It would give him more time, more flexibility. Um, he'd be able to do more of the good that he wants to do instead of just what he has to do, which I think that's a, another whole topic we can talk about. But we started looking at his numbers and, you know, he's netting about $3,300 a month out of his job. Wow. At the end of the day, he shows me his, his cash flows and $350 going to a car loan, $300 is going to a credit card and another $300 is going to a credit card every month. So he's got $950 going out the door every single month to debt out of this 3,300 bucks. He's also putting $150 a month towards his 401k. So I started saying, I said, what is the 401k going to do for you to get you to your financial goal? Like to get out of your nine to five and to get into this life coaching. He's like, well, I can't really touch it until I'm 59 and a half. Yeah. I said, well, he's 35. Well, that that's a long way from now. <laughs> does that get, does that get you closer to your goal by continue to do this? He says, no. I said, okay, so we can, we can go ahead and agree. You should probably stop contributing to it. Yes, I totally agree. And I gave him this example. I said, look, if you're in an airplane right now and you are going to go up in the air, but there was a 950 mile an hour wind coming at your, the front of your airplane and you were only about to go 150 miles an hour when you got up in the air, which way would you go if wow. you got up in the air? Wow. You go backwards, right? Yeah. I said, does that feel like what's happening to you right now? He's like, absolutely. I'm going backwards because I got all this money going to debt and no money coming back to me in cash flow. I said, so let, let's change the wind. Okay. Let's change the wind. <laughs> what if you could access some of your money from your 401k and literally pay off these debts? What would that do for your cash flow and stop contributing to the 401k? He literally, it's like the light bulb went off in his head, Sharon. Literally 33% of his cash flow every single month would be coming back towards him instead of going to debt and to 401k, which was not getting him closer to his goal. And it was like, he was like relieved. Like there was like this huge weight that came off of his shoulder. And um, he was like, this is obtainable. Like I could do this. What well, I mean, what, what you're doing there too. I mean, again, there's lots of little working parts, but Sharon, when we're talking about the formula where passive income has to be greater than monthly expenses, he has zero passive income, right? But his monthly expenses were $3,300 or $3,150 or whatever it was. I mean, minus yeah. his one, $150 is contributing. But what Joey's just showed him how to do is reduce his monthly expenses down. Right. <laughs> so now he still has to get passive income, but the number to get to is no longer 3000 and something. It's 2000. Right. He it, it, it just closed the gap 
in, right. in the idea of, okay, how do I start doing that? It gets someone motivated, right? It helps you move, move that needle uh, so much faster, I believe. Yeah. How, how do you, uh, I ask this only because there's, there's probably this thought out there that's saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. For the last, this guy's 35, for the last 12 years, he's been contributing $100, $150 a month to his 401k. There probably is 40,000 in his 401k right now. I'm just making numbers up. Yeah. He's going to continue thinking about continuing doing that for another 30 years. Joey, you just advised this guy to take all his 18 years of hard work and pull it out right now. Like, is, are you crazy? Like, how do you answer that? Well, again, it, it wasn't that I told him he should do this. I asked the question in light of what you want to have happen in your life. Are you, you are literally, and this is, this is a problem that we run into almost every day is that wall street has told you that this is your plan, right? You need to put this away until you're in your sixties. But I said, but what is your plan? Well, I want to get, I want to be free for this, like in the next 12 months, if I could. Right. Okay. Well, how is that going to happen? If you keep doing this other, is it right. going to get you closer to put this money away every single month for the next you know, 30 years. No. Okay. Then we should probably stop doing it. <laughs> the, the number one place, Ron, that people should invest is in themselves. Yeah. Agree or disagree? A hundred percent agree. I mean, the people listening to this show are entrepreneurs. They know that they've already done that, right? right. By listening to the show, you're investing you, in yourself. You're investing <laughs> into yourself. But the, I mean, we, we talk about this hierarchy of wealth and we, we say the first place, once you have built up cash and cash flow, the first place you should invest in is in things that you can control and influence. His 401k is not on that, is not on that, that part of the, the pyramid, right? It's not right. even in the next scale, which is the collateralized assets. It's at the top, which is the speculative assets. And that's where, unfortunately, where people are investing, they're investing in someone else's business and not right. their own. They're not right. investing in themselves. So what he what he's able to see is like, man, if I'm going to bet on me creating this lifestyle, life coaching business, I've got to, only way I can move is I've got to change the direction of the cash flows. I've got to get money, uh, less money going out and put money in my control. Well, and like you said, I mean, that could be a bad idea. Again, we're still dealing with human behavior, right? right. There's no guarantee that he wins. Right. But when, if, if given the choice for an entrepreneur, do you want to just, you know, suffer out a 25 year bleed or do you want to bet on yourself today and go after it? I think most of us say, yeah, let's go after it. Let's yeah. do this. Um, I, I don't, I, I, I love your turns of phrases on that. A lot of times when I talk to an entrepreneur, even like the CEOs that I work with, I, I ask this question, they'll say, well, go with the $55 million net worth before I'm 55, right? Like someone in some random conference embedded that seed in this guy. It was not his thought. He didn't wake up one morning and say, I want this. Like, it, and, and it, was, it was so random and arbitrary that it has no connection to his life, his purpose, his family, nothing, which is why he feels so disconnected from that. And it feels so stressful, right? Mm. And so I always ask this question, even of myself and my team a lot of times uh, is, I say, well, so that, like, just so that blank. Hey, I want to have a $55 million net worth before I'm 55. Cool. So that, just finish the sentence. 
right? Well, so that, and if you struggle with that, just mean like, come on, talk to me about it, right? And I think the so that is ultra powerful here because um, like why I love working with you guys is that the so that is almost all the time when you distill it back is like, I don't want to stress out about the day-to-day stuff that's happening in my life, which in, in a way, what they're saying is I would like without stressfulness, without stress to have my, 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 my expenses be met. Literally, that's what they're saying, right? And so yep. the, the, this $55 million net worth or whatever it is, is built to actually deliver, you know, stress-free monthly, month, monthly cash flow. That's what it is built for. So I think that when, whenever someone asks this big question, like people say, I, I want this, this, you know, this nine-figure exit. I'm like, for what? I'm like, do you have any idea how stressful this is? I had 30, I had like 150,000 uh, square feet of class A space on personal guarantee. Do you have any idea how painful that is? Like when we did our sale, like my wife was like, I don't care about the wire we got. I care about the release from the indemnity on, on the personal guarantees. And because, because of that, we couldn't borrow because of that. We couldn't do any of this other stuff because it was impeding our ability to live, you know, kind of at least our cash flow perspective. So the question again for you is how do how do we flip the mindset that it's not this nest egg that I need to build towards for thirty years, but it's actually the cash flow? Um, and do you think that everyone has been given this 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 ethereal path to this nest egg? Right? They're like, hey, put one hundred fifty dollars a month away, and we hope that with a ten percent appreciation in the market, you will get there. But, but no one has ever taught them the other side. And do you think the f- lack of familiarity is what scares people? Oh, yeah, 100%. People, well, first of all, I don't think people even know that it exists. Like, there's right. so much good marketing, right? Well, Wall Street, big banks, I mean, you name it, yeah. they are great at convincing you that you are making a wise choice, even though it's literally the best thing for them. It's, it's not the best thing for you, okay? And, and, and I want to go back to what you just mentioned uh, about what's on the other side of this number, what's on the other side of this exit or whatever, like the so that. And I think for, for many of the folks that we're working with that, that are a part of our, mo- our movement at Wealth Without Wall Street, I'm just going to share a personal story about yeah. this, okay? If that's okay. Yeah. Literally, what we are after is freedom to not have to. And and this came from a conversation that I had with my four-year-old. She's now six, okay, Adler. She's the cutest. She still has that baby talk. And it is like, it is just completely precious. But she says uh, one day when I was taking her to her daycare, or it's like a little school that she went a couple days a week. And she, we're driving to there and she says in the back seat, she's all kind of, you know, in her, in her car seat. And she's like, dad, are you going to pick me up from school today? And I'm like, no, baby, your, your mom's going to pick you up. She said, well, why aren't you going to pick me up? And I said, well, cause I got to go to work. She's like, well, why do you have to go to work, dad? And I said, well, cause I got to, pay for things like this car and our house and other things like that. She said, well, we already have a house. <laughs> we, are, we already have a car. And I'm like, yeah, but okay. But you don't understand. Like I, I have to go cause we have to make money 
and we have to continue, like I have to buy food, things like that. The, the, the point of the whole story is maybe you've had a similar conversation. You're driving to work or whatever, you take your kids to school. And the, the thing that just hit me like a lightning bolt was that I had to say I have to, right? It wasn't, I didn't have the choice that day or any day because my passive income had not exceeded my monthly expenses, that I had to go to work. And in the, the choice of financial freedom, what that opens up in my brain, at least, and the folks that we're working with, is I don't ever want to have to say that. I want to be able to say, hey, what do you want to do today? Okay, we don't have to go to school. Let's, let's go to the park. Is that what you'd rather do today? Let's do that. Um, let's go travel. Let's go have geographic freedom to go to the beach this week and just, you know, maybe I can work a little bit from, from the beach, but I want to have that freedom to do that. So anyways, I don't know if that resonates, but that is really what's at the heart of what's on the other side of that financial freedom goal for me and for the folks that we're, that we're working with. Joey, I, I've had, um, I've talked to you guys about my kids. I've had that conversation multiple times and I catch myself saying, even sometimes in a, you know, with some vulnerability, even sometimes in a period of like passive aggressive frustration, right? It, I'll say, well, I, if I didn't do this, who would, right? It's almost a, almost a, hey, I, I'm, I'm doing this for you. So you should be grateful. Yeah. And it sounds, it's not, it's not, it's not fair to say this, but there's one, there's a small percentage in my mind that says, you don't realize how much, how hard I'm working for you. Right. And, and I don't have the courage to say that to my wife because we have split roles. Like she's the CEO of the house. I'm the CEO of the not house. Like it's very simple. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, but, 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 you know, like we, I would be lying to you, Joey, if that story didn't resonate because I've said that. I was like, well, but I have to go to work. I have to do this. I committed to doing this. But like my son, Neil, I'm like, but what, why? And my question kind of is this. Why do we think it's not okay to have the life that you talked about? Because I actually think people don't think it's fair because they're like well well because because i think the modern society has said that if we don't say hey my name is russ morgan from wealth at wall street when you don't have that identity of where you work you you you're you're a bum no i'm dead That's serious right like this is super important like we take a lot of identity from our from our professional careers and my question is do you why is that people are not like they can't unlock the whole like well well I, I can't joey can have that i guess maybe he was maybe he inherited some money maybe he got lucky maybe you know uh uh, uh maybe his home went up in value wh whatever but why don't people believe that they have to they can only stop quote they having to work until they retire well here here's the thing and i, I can't speak for everybody right i just speak for myself and, and we were having a conversation yesterday and you you asked the question, if you had a magic wand, what would you do with it? Right. And the magic wand, I mean, it took a lot of like introspection. And for me, that's deep because I don't I spend no time <laughs> in, in internal thought. It's all coming out verbally, right? 
<laughs> but after after really thinking on that, my answer to that question, Sharon, and I think it's kind of going at the heart of this issue, is this need to do more. And I, I my magic wand for me would be to remove the need to do more and to be satisfied with where I've gotten. Wow. And so I I think that as entrepreneurs, one, it, we are uncommon. There's only 7% of the population out there that own and run businesses. Right. So the we are we are already weird to society. <laughs> yeah. Right. The fact that we would risk everything to go put our own money in deals in hopes that we will actually be able to pay everyone else that works for us and then have something left over to do for ourselves. And everyone else looks at like that, like, no, yes, I'm going to take the robber baron mentality that I'm going to go to school, get a factory job and buy stuff to keep that ball going. Right. So I would say one, when we look at some of our friends, right, maybe our friends are not the entrepreneurs and they look at us differently and they're going to work. And so, yes, then we say, well, if we show up to school one day and, and it's like, you know, bring your, your, your parent to school day. (laughs) And it's like, oh, my dad's a, a lawyer. My dad, you know, drives a school bus. My dad, you know, you know, whatever. And then my dad wears jogging pants and t-shirts all day, right? <laughs> like they they just that that doesn't fit, right? They they just go, well, then that wouldn't work. Right. And I think some of that internal not knowing and confusion about how all of that goes makes us say, well, yeah, we need to say that. And I be honest, Sharon, I struggle with that, right? Like when you when you ask me like what do I do? It's like at the heart of it, it's like I'm an entrepreneur. Like I have which company do you want yeah. me to talk about? Right. Right. But right. I want to relate myself to one sometimes. And I want to say, oh, well, you know, I own a business called Wealth Without Wall Street. Right. And it is that. But at the end of the day, I mean, we do lots of things. And I do think it's internally we're struggling to say, can I be, can I be okay? not having that. Well, and the other part about that, Sean, is, is don't be misled that passive income and creating this lifestyle we're talking about does means you're uninvolved. Okay. Because yeah. guess what? As we build businesses, Russ and I constantly, we are producing, but we're producing in a way that doesn't take more and more of our time. We're trying to track how much more time can we get by creating this business. Right. If the business or the um, marketing opportunity or the product or whatever that we're creating is going to take more of our time, we're not doing it, right? right. That, that's the framework that we have to produce in. It doesn't mean we don't produce. It doesn't right. mean we're not involved. It just means that we're trying to do it in such a way that we're buying more and more of our time and not putting that um, you know, as a sacrifice for money. Like at the yeah. end of the day, we're creating the cash flow that creates the lifestyle and, and the freedom. But, that's that's really what it's and about. I'll, I'll give you one last story, Sean, and I'll let you. Um, <laughs> You'll let him interview us? I was playing, I, I was watching my son, who is eight, play basketball this past Saturday. And a guy that we we have come in to our businesses once a week and kind of be sort of a COO, help us organize things. His daughter was there and they were actually playing against each other. And his wife's an ex-college basketball player, high school basketball coach. 
you might imagine his little girl is like, why don't I? She's Intense. Like, she's like, like dominating the floor. <laughs> and my son is more interested in what's happening in the game on the other court. <laughs> At the same time. And, and he, you know, like, he is such a fun, energetic kid. And he's sitting out there, he's running around, he's playing, not really in the game, but just running around and playing. <laughs> and I, and it kind of hits me internally because I'm a super competitive guy. I've mentioned to you before, like yeah. I'm a challenge guy. Like, yeah. and so to watch him not really be competitive, I'm struggling. And the big issue that I'm struggling with is not that he's not good at basketball because I could care less outside of the fact that he's not good at basketball and I know it because I've not spent any time with him to do it. Yeah. Wow. And, and it's that internal drive in me that is wants me to keep going to the work, to be the guy that I'm, I'm the owner of these businesses so I can have that title. But when I, when I sit back and I, and I have some introspection on, I think it was really important to me is that I'm not investing in my son. I'm not, and in the littlest of ways, again, I could care less. I don't want him to be, you know, a professional basketball player unless that's what he wanted to be or whatever. But <laughs> it's the fact that that's just, that's the visual proof that I'm not investing in him in the smallest of ways. And it's because I am selfishly, like you said, I'm focused on my thing. And I can have those same passive aggressive moments. What I would say, well, I got to go do this because if I don't, how else are we going to have all this nice stuff that you guys always want, right? right? But at the end of the day, the kids, they will play with the boxes that the stuff comes in for longer than they will the actual stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's so crazy when you say that. Uh, Christmas presents and my daughter just wants the bubble wrap. She's <laughs> careless about the present. She's like, <gasps> <laughs> I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just if you guys are sending anything to my house, just wrap whatever you're sending in bubble wrap, and like my daughter will love you for life, right? But so, so this may be a part two. So let me frame this question very quickly. We've talked a lot about, um, you know, I, I talk to my coach about this often. She, she's like, Sharon, you're obsessed with the shift. Like, I love it when we're we're going down this path, and suddenly something clicks for us. And then our whole life is different because of that one shift, right? And we've all had it. We all have a day to day. We're like, I, I'm, I'm sick of, I'm sick of being fat. I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of not being poor. I'm sick of not having this. Like when you have the, I'm sick of, or I get it. We make like this. Something happens. Like viscerally, biochemically, something happens. And I am, I am obsessed with that shift. For one, if I can help other people with it, and two. Generally, I've noticed that if it happens within me, I can start to see it happen within others. So my question is, a lot of times for people, some, the, the shift comes from knowing the how. They're like, okay, cool, I get it. I get not having my $55 million net worth, but I understand that I need to have my income be greater than my expenses. But all I know is that I put... 3% of my income into my qualified plan and my company matches the 3%. And that's all I know. I don't know anything else. What is the other way? And you guys, you know, you, you, you wrap it in this umbrella called infinite banking. And I love how you say it, like, learn to be your own banker, right? I think it's something similar to that is what you shared with me. Maybe this is a part two, but, but is there, is there a how to? Yes. Is, is there a how to? Yes. I would say that, the part is, is that the reason why we have found in, in our years of doing this 
that people have not gotten to the point where their passive income is greater than the monthly expenses is because the their readily available cash is not readily available. They don't store it in a place that they can access and use for their own benefit. And one of the things that we teach is that we can be observant. We can look around at what big business is doing, what big banks are doing with their money and just emulate, right? We don't have to be the smartest people on the planet. We can literally look and see what they're doing. If you want to be successful, emulate what successful people do. And what successful businesses and banks do with their cash is they don't go deploy it in other places that they don't have access to it. They right. actually deploy it in one of the, the most oldest, uh, simplest financial tools called whole life insurance. Yeah. And we show people that exact process and then how to then with readily available cash, turn those dollars into cash flow. And that's yeah. called infinite banking. All right. So, so this has to be a part two. So if, uh, for those of you listening, uh, hit pause right now and jump to the next episode with uh, Russ Morgan and Joy Murray. We're going to break down exactly how to implement infinite banking for yourself. Hey, Sharon, I have a cool gift for you. I took some of my best ideas from the last 20 years and created a five-day MBA. It's quick and action-packed that you can listen to on the go, just like this podcast. And I want to give it to you for free, just as a thank you for listening to the show. No fluff, no gimmicks, just pure actionable ideas for you to use instantly. You can grab it right now at businessschoolshow.com. That's businessschoolshow.com dot com.